Let's pray together. Father, we now come to the preaching of your word. We believe that this Bible is your word. It doesn't contain your words. It is your word. It's the word of God. It's infallible. It's inerrant. And so, Holy Spirit, you are the author, and you are now living in us. You're in our midst now, calling us, some to believe, some to walk in faith. Lord, you know our needs, so would you please, right now, provide the words through me, your servant, and would you speak, O God, through your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are celebrating our 40th, and I I hope that as you look back, one of the things that you notice is that um, there's been a lot of hard work. God is at work, and he calls us to join him in what he's doing, and, and, and God's powers may manifest not simply in, in this, this kind of vacuum, but really through the lives of his people, and that's where God's blessing is. God's blessing always occurs in conjunction with God's people as we are at work with him and in him and through him and for his glory. I was, uh, I was made aware of a situation, a friend of mine is a leader, and he, he speaks in different places. He was speaking at a, at a campus, and uh, he was talking about how um, he had become successful in business. Now, he's a believer, so he, he adds that in there, but the, the main focus of the talk is, was, you know, really, you got to work hard and, and, and what that means and what that looks like. And so afterward, a student approached him and said, uh, hey, thanks for everything you said, but uh, the, the truth is, if I had your money and your title, I could do exactly what you do. He didn't smack him, but he could have. And instead, he, he just he just basically ripped him a new one and basically said, buddy, I'm going to tell you something. You need to understand what's going on here. And this is what he said. Listen to what he said. You know, when I showed up on the scene, people did not just come and hand me their money. I had to earn it. A good business is like a good life. It requires hard work. So it is in faith. So it is in our walk with God. It requires good, hard work. God's grace, it comes free. We are saved by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. There is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. The only thing that we bring to our salvation is our sin. Jesus has purchased it. He has paid the penalty for it. He has been raised and now defeated the power of it. And so now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given faith and life and the ability to believe. And all we bring is our sin, and in His power we're able to believe and then be saved. But God's blessing comes through that faith being worked out, through our work in living out this faith. And that's where God's blessing is found. And that's what our text shows us today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and go with me now to Joshua chapter 1, which has been our focus chapter for this month as we've been celebrating, as we've been celebrating our 40th anniversary. And let's go to verse 8. Jordan Smith's going to read for us, but let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And Jordan's going to come and read for us our focus verse for today. Again, we're in Joshua chapter 1. Jordan, go ahead and read for us verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Jordan. If you would, go ahead and, and be seated. Now, I want you to look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Look closely at verse 8. Notice who does the work that makes the way prosperous and the means to good success. Notice who it is. It's Joshua. 
Notice what the text does not say. It does not say, for then God will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The text says, no, you, you, Joshua, will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We need to be so careful that we who believe in the sovereignty of God, as Scripture clearly indicates He is, that, that we do not fall into this mindset of victims. I have heard people say, oh, well, God just chose to bless them and He chose not to bless me. And, and, and take on this mindset of a victim. Friends, we must take responsibility for our actions and our attitudes. Our actions and our attitudes will determine the capacity where which God is capable and able to bless us. Now, we also need to avoid, we need to avoid falling into a formulaic way of looking at the faith. There is a heresy that is abounding. It's now beyond North America. It began here. It's now, it's now traveling the, the, the globe. And, and, and this heresy is, is known as the prosperity gospel. This prosperity gospel is... It's a lie, and we need to understand it is, and it basically teaches religious capitalism. I, I appreciate what uh, Gavin Childress said about this, and he said the prosperity gospel teaches that Christians should expect material wealth in return for obedience to God. So the idea here is, if you'll give God what He wants, He'll give you what you want. There is an exchange here. It's almost like religious capitalism, but that is not the way God works. Listen, it's not an exchange system. There is a reason why we call him father. It is a parental system. What does a parent do? A parent does what is best for a child. God says to us as, as the ultimate father, I know what is best for you. I know what you need right now. You always need to walk in obedience, but I'm going to bring to you sometimes pain, sometimes pleasure, sometimes hurt, sometimes happiness. As our Father, He knows exactly what we need when we need it. And it's, and it's not so much this formula, hey God, I did this, so now you've got to give me that. No, 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 no. It is this understanding. God, you're my Father. We never, listen, we never have to say, why is this happening to me? You don't have to answer that question. Here's the answer. The answer is already obvious. Because God loves you. Here's the question we ask. God, what are you doing in this? What are you doing in this situation? I'm facing a trial. I am facing success. I am facing conflict. I am facing peace. In every circumstance, we ask the same question. Father, what are you doing in this season? What are you doing in my life? Those who hold to this lie that is the prosperity gospel, they don't understand that. They don't get that. But please understand, the prosperity gospel is nothing new. It's been around. There are some who would tell us that the book of Job is actually the oldest uh, book of the Bible, and we find the prosperity gospel in the book of Job. Listen to what uh, James E. Smith in his commentary said about the book of Job. In the book of Job, he said, Eliphaz, I was one of the comforters that came to speak with Job and, and others. Eliphaz and his companions believed in the health and wealth gospel. Serve God and prosper. Submit to God and be restored. 
what were the what were the counselors saying to Job over and over again? Job, you know that when you do good, God gives you health and wealth and comfort. And when you don't do good, God brings you what's happening to you. You need to turn your life around. You need to trust God. You need to have works of faith. Now, we as the reader, we know. We know that God has allowed this to say this common ass. And it's not because Job was in sin, but because that Job was righteous that he was facing that trial. It was not in, in some kind of denunciation or some kind of, uh, of, of act of, of discipline. It was a work of grace in his life. It was God at work. It, 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 this whole idea of, oh, if he just would have straightened up, none of this would have happened. The book of Job says otherwise, doesn't it? It says this was a man who was walking by faith and who suffered. And he did so because he was righteous and because it was the will of God. The will of a good, loving, all-powerful God. Friends, it's not an exchange system. It is a parental system. We have a father. And Job's life shows us that God's blessing is not always an external blessing. It's not always something on the outside. Please understand, there is nothing wrong with prosperity. There is nothing wrong with wealth. There is nothing wrong with health. All of these are good things to be pursued, but they must be pursued for the right reason. What is the right reason? There's only one right reason for anything. There's only one right reason to do anything, pursuit of anything, and here it is. For the glory of God and the blessing of those he loves. Pursue prosperity. Pursue wealth. Pursue health. Pursue those things for the glory of God and the blessing of those God loves. As followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that, 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 that God's blessing is and, and, and that we get what it is and not get confused, not get frustrated when we see evil people prosper. I, I, I like you, I have many times you, you see evil and you see the prosperity of those who do it and you think, what? Is God asleep? Is God missing this? What's the problem? We need to learn what Asaph learned. Asaph was one of the psalm writers. See if this doesn't resonate with you, what, what Asaph experienced. This is Psalm 73. He said, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. He, he began to doubt. He began to struggle. Why? For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, I saw evil happening and being seemingly blessed. And so the, the rest of the, the song there, there's this chunk of that chapter where he's just talking about how wrong it is, how wrong that they should be able to prosper in their evil. But then he comes down to verse 16 and 17, and then he comes to this point of clarification. Look at this. He says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. He said, when I came and I saw life from an eternal perspective, all the evil of the world and everything that was happening, all of a sudden I got clarity. And I realized that God is holy and God is just. And that God will, will bring about His perfect end. And that for those who are hoping in the things of this world, who will lie, steal, kill, and, and be tyrants and evil and mean to get what they want, 
their hope is in the things that they want, and so they will do those things to get those, those, those objects that they think will somehow satisfy their soul, even by hurting other people, even by being lying and deceitful. They have no hope, no living hope, no eternal hope. And Asaph looks and he says, I get it. See, the blessing of God, as we will see in our text, it's the ability to thrive in peace, in joy, in confidence, and in hope in every circumstance. I'll say it again. God's blessing is the capacity to thrive, to have joy, to have peace, shalom, confidence in every, every circumstance. The Apostle Paul had this. He testified to it. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote this letter to the Philippians. Look what he said. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That's the blessing. To learn to be content. He says, look, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be about. about. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through, through him who strengthens me. God's blessing is hope. It's contentment in every circumstance in life. Does that describe you? Can you, can you go through a Job-like experience? Can you lose seemingly everything and say, make it into this world I will Make it into the world I will go beyond Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is a mature faith, my friends. That's contentment. That's the blessing of God. That you can say in every season, in any circumstance, praise be to God. I trust my Father. I'm not going to ask Him, why is this happening to me? I'm going to ask, what are you doing in this circumstance? My Father, who loves me, who is all-powerful, who knows what is best. This blessing is crucial to our sanity and to the strengthening of our souls. How do we get this blessing? That's what we see in our text today. There are conditions. Write them down. They have everything to do with the Word of God. When God's Word is found in our words, so it's important that God's Word be found in our words in order for us to to gain this blessing. It says in verse 8, first part, this book of the law shall not depart from, from your mouth. Now understand, what we say does not shape our heart or our identity. Our identity and our heart shapes our words. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 15, 18. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles the person. What we say shows what's really going on inside. Again, not when you're buffered, not when you've got your not when you've got your, your happy face on, but when someone runs into the back of you on Scottsville Road because they were texting. What comes out of your mouth then? But what comes out of your mouth when your team loses because someone wasn't paying attention? What, what comes out of your mouth when you hit your thumb or when you, like me, tear out a part of your skin on, on, on your pinky finger because you're trying to serve your family with love, right? What, what, what comes out of your mouth in, 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 in those moments? Well, it has everything to do with what you put into your heart. Psalm 119.11 I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
it doesn't matter one in anyone else's life. It's not meditation. Meditation is taking God's word, understanding what's happening in the world, and through prayer saying, okay, God, what are you saying? What are you saying to the situation? What are you saying? What's happening here? How do I need to perceive reality? You know, in the last few weeks, there's been, there's been so much death. And God said, like, can I just tell you, something's going to happen this week. I mean, you think about this. Three weeks ago, we're praying for five police officers who were shot and, and two, two men who were gunned down by officers. And then we have this thing in France, and then we have now this thing in Germany. And what thing is going to happen this week? Something. How do we process this? Well, if you don't know the Word of God, and, and, you're, and you're not praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're missing it. This is meditation. It's, it's getting in the Word and praying and seeing God at work in the world and understanding reality in light of God's Word. But there's something else to, to even pursue beyond that. Understand, meditation, if you will work, will lead to contemplation, which is a way of life. Meditation happens in a moment, and it's so important that you have time alone with God, and that you're praying, and that you're taking what has been preached to you, what's been taught to you, what's been discussed in your in your connect group, and that you take that word that you're studying, and in prayer, decipher what the realities of the world, and see them through the lens of, of truth, of the, of the expanse, of the eternality, and the power of God. But then there's something more. It's contemplation. It's this way of living where you're living and truly in the power of the Spirit in your life is flowing through that power. The only way, and some of you heard me teach this before, and, and, and forgive me for, for repeating myself, but I think it's, it's worthy of, of, of doing this. It's like riding a wave. How many of you guys like to go to the beach and ride waves? Or as a child, you like to go ride waves? Riding waves is a blast. But you know what you don't do? You just don't take your board and go walk out to the water and say, let's do this. Right, come on, let's, let's get away. No, 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 you got to position yourself. you got to find where the waves are breaking. And then you've got to, you've got to actually, with effort, you've got to get in line and, 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 and flow with the way. That's what meditation is. It's getting in God's Word in light of, his, of this world and in praying, and you're getting in the flow of the reality of God in the world. But then there's this glorious moment when you're, when you're seeking to ride away, when you've worked hard and you've got in that position, and then the wave takes you. And then you are basically holding on, and you're going with the way. That's contemplation. See, this is the way of life God is calling us to, so that every morning, God calls us as did Jesus to get in the Word and to pray and to see what's happening in the world so that as we're going through our day, we're holding on to the truth. We're holding on to Christ and we are being led by the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. And this is contemplation. This is a way of life. Not that it's dispassionate and disconnected from reality, but fully engaged and fully empowered by the Spirit to get through this life. See, the Word of God is to be in our, our, our words, it's to be in our, our thoughts, and, and then in our actions. And so when we're in this way of life where, where we are working in conjunction with the power of God, we're actually able to live for Him. Look what it says in the last part of, of uh, verse 8. Um, actually, the middle of the fourth section. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. See, once our words, thoughts, and emotions are in line with God's Word, 
and His will, we are free to do the works of God. And this happens, friends, in the power of the gospel. There are so many who wrongly think of the gospel as something that is necessary only for salvation. And this is where revivalism has come from. Revival is glorious. Revival, when God moves on a people and brings about new life and a new life that pursues Jesus as, as disciples, this is this is the will. This is work of God. It doesn't end in the gospel as, as, as so, many, so many have been taught to think. It's just about getting them to make a decision. It's just about getting converts. It's not the will of God. Think about the three circles in this way. We understand the gospel. We understand because of sin there's brokenness. We understand we've got to repent and believe to be saved. And, and, and that happens through the power of the gospel. But that it doesn't end there. Because we are repenting, that is turning away and trusting from trusting ourselves and believing that Christ is raised from the dead, we're able to pursue and recover God's design, which is this harmony that God provides in His design through the power of the gospel. So it's not as though we've taken our salvation and say, oh, God, we got that one. Glad that's out of the way. I'll see you guys in heaven. I'm going to go live any way I want to now. That is not salvation. Salvation is repenting of trusting in self and the things of the world, believing that Christ has been raised and pursuing and recovering God's design to experience harmony. And that harmony is built on love. Our actions are meant to be actions defined by and inspired in love. And our actions are, are going to be obedient to God only in and as much as we love God. Over and over, Scripture speaks to this reality. Galatians 5.14, look what it says. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbors yourself. How does that happen? Only in and as much as you love God. Jesus was asked, Hey, teacher, what's the most important commandment? What did Jesus say? Uh, he said, Matthew, what is it, Matthew 22? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. To completely obey God and what he commands, we must love God. When we love God, we will love those he loves. When we love God and we love people, we will do what is right. We will live in obedience to God. Are you sure? Let me think about this for a Is there a besetting sin in your life? Is there a sin that just keeps coming back, keeps coming? Is there, is there a, maybe a habit has it formed in you? Is there, is there a, a sin in your life that is at work? Almost all of us could probably point to one or, or two things. Me, I got dozens, so don't feel guilty if you do too. But here's, here's what I want us to understand. We really don't have a sin issue. See, sin is just mis, is, is the product of misplaced love. See, whatever we love will drive what we do. So if you love a certain pleasure, if you love a certain object, if you love a certain uh, respect or, or, or whatever of other people, then you'll do whatever you have to do to get that because you love it that much. And that will lead to sin. Here's the thing. If you love God and you love people, the things that you will do will be in obedience to God. And so understand, if there's a sin that you're struggling with, it's because your love is going in the wrong direction. 
because you're loving a created thing, maybe yourself, more than you should, rather than loving God. If you're dealing with a sin, here's what I would ask you to ask yourself. Why do I love this more than I love the Almighty? Why do I think this will satisfy me more than the eternal Almighty love of God? All we have to do, friends, all we have to do to overcome sin is to see Jesus Christ and His love on the cross, His victory in the resurrection, to see the greatness and the mighty power of God, and to know that that mighty God loves us. And when we believe that and we feel that, we will love Him in return. And when you love God, you will love what God loves, and He loves people. And when you love God and you love people, you will live in obedience to God. If you're not living in obedience to God, it's because your love, your love is going the wrong way. And so we've got to allow the Word of God. When the Word of God is found in our words and our thoughts and in our actions, then what happens? We make our way prosperous with good success. The last part, fourth part of verse 8. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, two things I want you to notice. You might underline this. Notice it is a way and not a destination. It is a way that is prosperous. As long as you're alive, God is always going to be moving you. He's always going to be at work. And it's never going to be a destination. Heaven's the destination. In life, we are always going to be along the way. And it is a path leading to something. And what does it lead to? It leads to good success. You might want to think about that word good. The fact that there is good success means that there's also bad success. And we need to be careful that we don't look at the things of the world the way the world does. Because the world will look at an individual and say, look at that good success just because they have lots of power or pleasure or popularity or possessions. All of that may be bad success. How do you know? How do you know if your success is good or bad? Scripture gives us a clear picture. And I want you to see it. So take your Bible and go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 gives us the capacity to discern good success versus bad success. Uh, Psalm 1, some say, is the outline of the entire Psalms. I agree. Some say that Psalm 1 is the lens through which we can understand all of the Bible, and I agree with that too. What we see here in Psalm 1 is a picture of ultimate reality. And, and, and if we will get this, we will get really what's going on in the world and what's going on in our lives. Psalm 1. I love it because it begins with the word blessing. That Hebrew word is asher. And so I can't help but think of that, that precious boy. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Sound like something you've heard this morning? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. See the eternality of the reality of what's going on in our world. There are some people, when tragedy strikes, it dries them up. 
But there are those who are planted by living water, who are planted in Jesus Christ. And because His love and His life is feeding their root, they will produce fruit in every season. Think about this. Whether there is a scorching, you know, heat, or whether there's blood, whatever, whatever the circumstance, the one who is planted in Jesus Christ will produce the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5.22. How does that work? We simply, we simply dig ourselves into Jesus Christ because He has loved us. And the reality of His love and power fuels us. And then whether we're in a time of brokenness or a time of healing, whether we're in a time of emptiness or a time of being full, whether we're in a time of conflict or a time of peace, it doesn't matter. Because the, the reality of Jesus Christ is at work in our lives. And because we are blessed, because His words are in our His words are in our words, in our thoughts, and in our actions. We are along the way, and it's prosperous, and it leads to good success. Let me ask you, are you rooted in Jesus Christ? If you're not, here's what's going to happen to you. When bad things happen to you, and they will, you're on your own and you're going to wilt. And then you will stand before God in judgment. And your eternity will be one of wilting. If you are in Christ and He is your love, He will feed your soul and His Word will become your words and His Word will become your thoughts and His Word will become your actions and you will be along the way and you will prosper no matter the circumstance. God's blessing of having hope and confidence and strength and His power, no matter what situation you are in, will be yours. And that's God's blessing. Is that you? Is that you? If it's not, I want to invite you to come Stand in the front, get on your knees in the front, and say, God, please save me. If you are saved, and you need you need to understand that God, as your Father, has you going through a situation, come, come and say, Lord, forgive me for asking why. Let me ask the right question. What are you doing? Let me have faith to trust you as my Father. And if you know of someone who's going through a challenge, come and pray for them. And ask God to give them the eyes of faith to see their life through the lens of His Word and the reality of who He is so that they can have hope. Let's stand together. Father, you are, You're not just Father, but You're also Potter. We're, we're clay. And so You're forming us to be to be a blessing and to receive Your blessing. It, it requires hard work. It requires faith. Lord, I pray for some today who need to come and say, Lord, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I give myself to you. Take over. For some who are going through a trial or know of someone going through a trial, they need to come to you today and say, Father, bring your blessing. Give me this hope and this confidence no matter what season I am in. Give me, make me blessed. Make this friend of mine, this family member of mine, God, 
hear them as they come and ask for your blessing. And let us do that in light of the fact that you are at work and you are forming us for your glory. And may we sing what is true now in Jesus' name. Amen.